you all this morning, those visiting with us, those on the internet, phone hookups, I want to welcome this morning, Sister Tracy Previs. She was in here this morning. God bless you. Good to see you. Amen. Let's welcome you back. Amen. Thank you for what God's done for you. Amen. Let's just sing power in the blood. Would you be free from your burden of sin? Amen. Oh, would you be free from your burden of sin?
Our God is tremendous. Amen. I wonder if we can stand and we sing this chorus. Sing it as an anthem. Amen. Oh, when I'm in need, I call on the Lord. Oh, and He hears me. Yes, He helps me. second verse again. Worship the Lord 394. In his presence we stand. Amen. We'll just sing this song as we go to prayer. Brother Wes.
nice to have you with us this morning. Can we have you open up the service in a word of prayer? Our sister Denise has a prayer request for her niece, Shauna. She would like us to pray that she would want to accept help for her drug addiction. Sister Denise, we can bring that before the Lord this morning. Let's just stand or sing this. Lord, we worship. Oh, worship the Lord in his presence we stand. He cares for you and he understands. Come, Holy Spirit, and speak to us now. love story, Lord God. Father God, it's your love that has drawn us here. It's your love that has protected us. It is your love that has healed us, Lord God. It is your love that has brought forth a revelation, Lord God, day by day, minute by minute. It is your love that has placed gifts in the assembly. It is love, Lord God, that put your word in our heart, Father. Lord God, Thank you for your love for us, unmerited love, Lord God, unending love. Father, your love forgives us. Your love grows us, Lord God. Your love heals us. Your love draws us closer to you, Father God. We cannot say that we love you enough, Lord God. We truly, from the depths of our heart, Lord God. Father God, we stand here inviting you into our presence, Lord God relying upon a promise in your word that you said where two or three were gathered, there you'd be also, Lord God. You are here, Father. Your presence is here, Father. Lord, you know what each and every one of us has need of, Father. Lord, your miraculous word has a way of going forth and touching each and every heart, answering each and every question, drawing each and every one of us closer to you, Father. Lord, there has been prayer requests. I believe our sister Denise had a prayer request, Lord God. Father, you know what that need is. You are the maker of us. You are the creator of us. You are the healer of us, Lord God. Father, we just ask that you'd move down. Touch this person, Lord God. Answer according to your perfect will, Lord God. 
Father, there's many unspoken requests. Father, you know each and every heart here. Again, Lord God, we ask that you just answer according to your perfect will, Lord God. Lord, now as we take up the tithes and offerings, we ask that you bless them, Father. Lord, now as your word goes forth, we ask that you just give us the concentration that we need, Lord God. Recognize, Father, that your word is going to speak to all of us, but your word is to us personally, Father. May we respond. May we not take it for granted, Lord God. In Jesus Christ's name we pray these things. Amen. seats. Thank you, Brother Wes. Just a quick announcement. Our Wednesday service has been moved to Friday for our brother Vernon Manahan. That'll be 7.30 on Friday and this one service on Sunday at 10.30. We would like to greet um, Brother Jonas's cousin, Susanna, from Germany this morning. If you could stand, we can greet you this morning. Amen. God bless you. Hope you feel welcome. Amen. We won't delay the service any longer as our brother Tim comes. Can we sing Shout to the Lord? My Jesus, my Savior, Lord, there is none like you. All of my days, I want to praise the wonders of
song because while it describes his greatness, it also describes how personal he is to us. My Jesus, my Savior, my Jesus, my Savior, Lord, there is Power of rain. 
Blessed be thy name, O oh God. Wonderful Redeemer. Lord, it doesn't take much imagination to think, Lord, when you pass by. When you pass by Moses there on the mountain, the mountain shook. Lord, it was on fire. Lord, the earth trembled at your presence, O oh God. Great is thy presence, Lord. And yet you're our Jesus. Lord, you're our Savior. You're so great, you can become so individual, so personal. I believe, Lord, that you've come by our way this morning to touch our lives. We don't want to take any pretext or pre-plan for the service this morning. Father, we want you to have your way. These are your people. As Brother Wes has prayed, these are the people that you love. These are your beloved, O oh God. They're not just your friends, they're your beloved, Lord. They mean everything to you, and we thank you that we're a part of that body. It is grace, Lord, amazing grace. Father, as we turn back the pages of your word this morning, our hearts tremble. Our, we are deeply, deeply touched in awe to be able to see mighty supernatural things that you are doing around the world and even right here in Cloverdale. We thank you, Lord. And we ask, Father, as we turn back the pages of your word, may you just have the preeminence. Take this service the way you want it to go, that it will give glory to your name, Lord. We ask it in that mighty name, the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Greet you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. My name is Tim Dodd. And uh, it's good to be home. <laughs> and uh, good to be back with you. Um, not always able to catch up with the services overseas from here, um, but always appreciate when we can and appreciate what we've heard in the ministry that you've had over the last few weeks. Um, we are a blessed people. I believe the bride has the best ministers in the world because we have the best message. <laughs> we have the only message, you know, and, and without that, we'd have nothing to preach. So we are grateful for everything that the Lord has done. I want to bring you greetings from overseas. I'll, I'll do that specifically from Ethiopia when we get into that part of the service. But I also want to bring you greetings from Germany. Brother Andreas Ringen, the pastor there in the northern part of Germany, uh, sends his greetings to Brother Biskel, to Brother Tom, and the ministers here, and to all the congregation. And many of the saints send their love and greetings, of course, Brother Jonas knows most of them, and, uh, and those of you that know them, they send their greetings to you. Sister Ramona, I was able to greet you the other day, and they wanted to send their greetings. So God bless you from the saints that are part of the same body as you are from around the world. And so we're thankful for your prayers. I want to say thank you especially for your prayers. I don't want to keep you too long standing, but I'll be standing the whole service. So, but the... Um, your prayers meant so much, especially in Ethiopia 
And I just share this to let you know how much your prayers mean. I didn't have a good night's sleep in the two weeks I was in Ethiopia. All right, so on top of the jet lag, we had just a general lack of sleep. But I never felt really tired. And so I thank you for your prayers. It means so much. God strengthened us, strengthened me, and was able to uh, minister without problem. And uh, uh, the Lord did wonderful things amongst the people there. So let's take our Bibles and turn to the book of Acts. Let's get into the Word first. I just titled it this morning, Walking into the Book of Acts. I, uh, I was touched by a statement my son Andrew made. He was with me in Ethiopia. This is his third trip to Ethiopia. And uh, they really love him over there. And uh, he's... He made a comment, and you can actually pick up on it on the podcast that was released this morning. If you haven't uh, listened to the podcast, the one released this morning was very good. The one released last Sunday of the testimony of Brother Joseph, which I'll share part of it here this morning. But if you want to get details and see how God moves in such a sovereign and supernatural way, you'll want to hear that podcast from last Sunday. Uh, the testimony of Brother Joseph Derissa. And so, uh, but my son Andrew and I were speaking, and uh, I asked him to give a description of his time in Ethiopia, particularly in the city of Hawassa, as he went there ahead of me. And he said, it's like walking into the book of Acts. And so I want to take that this morning as my subject and uh, just go through the book of Acts a little bit. It might be quite simple. I hope that's okay. Oh, it's okay with about 30 of you. Okay. The rest of you can endure till we get to the missions report. And uh, walking into the book of Acts. Acts chapter 8 together if you have your Bibles. And verse 26. And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. That's quite a call. I want you to go out into the desert. Period. Uh, not a great exciting meeting's going on there. And uh, that was, but that was where the Lord wanted him. And he says, and he arose and went. You see, that's all God wants, is somebody that will obey him. Just when God speaks, when God opens the door, you just obey him, and you'll be amazed what happens. You'll be amazed. He rose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure and had come to eat, to Jerusalem for to worship was returning and sitting in his chariot read Isaiah the prophet then the spirit said unto Philip go near and join thyself to this chariot amen the lord add his blessing to the word you may have your seats what is the book of acts as we We'll look at it, and so you can hold your Bibles open to the book of Acts. We'll refer to a number of scriptures here. 
But what exactly is the book of Acts? We know it's, it's written as the Acts of the Apostles. Brother Branham specifically says it's the Acts of the Holy Spirit in the Apostles. It's, it's not a program. It doesn't describe a Christian program. It doesn't describe a push or a, the energy of man. It doesn't describe salesmanship or showmanship. It doesn't describe anything that's put on. It was just men full of the Holy Ghost who took the Word of God to their generation. And God proved Himself with them by signs following the Word. As they ministered the Word, they were not ministering miracles. They were not ministering uh, 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 some kind of, uh, what can I say, uh, some kind of great outward thing. You know, someone was asking me the other day about miracles, and I can't remember if it was here, it might have been Germany, and uh, uh, it was, they were, we were talking about miracles and the, and the program of God, and I said, you know, miracles are always present where God is. You know, the, anywhere the gospel goes forth, God's Word produces the supernatural. You can't get away from it. It's not something that has to be in any way you've got the right program or you've got the right idea or you've got the right way to present it. No, if it's His Word, pure and simple, God will confirm His words with signs following. Brother Branham, in the beginning of his ministry, he, his emphasis was upon miracles because those that were around him saw the miraculous aspect of the gift that God had put in his life. And so they began to uh, push him forward and have meetings, and, and they would often uh, call it miracle lines. And, and they would advertise miracle lines, or they would advertise that um, there would be a miracle in every service. But the angel of the Lord came to Brother Branham and said to him, Stop doing that. Why? Said the angel said, Because it'll come to pass that the people won't believe unless they see a miracle. Now, that's an amazing statement because what it tells us is that rather than as we think, if we see a miracle, if we would just see a miracle that would increase our faith, the angel of the Lord was telling Brother Branham, miracles decrease faith. That's not a standard thought in Christianity. The children of Israel came through the wilderness and they saw more miracles than anybody. They saw the plagues. They saw the, the Red Sea parted. They saw the Egyptian army destroyed in the Red Sea. They saw the water from the rock. They ate manna from heaven. But the Bible records that they did not enter into the promised land because of their unbelief. Why? Because the word was not mixed with faith in them that heard it. You see, the only way to faith is the hearing of the Word. There's a predestinated seed within the elect of God that's, that's ordained of God to be quickened by the message of the hour. You can't get away from God's program. God's program is always simple. He sent them forth in the beginning to preach the Word. By the foolishness of preaching, souls will be saved. The signs, they'll be there. The wonders, they'll be there. The miracles will be there. We've all seen supernatural. Come on, anybody seen the supernatural? I've seen the supernatural. We've all seen the supernatural without a doubt. God is supernatural. And so when God is in his word and you preach the word, it is always the truth that makes people free. 
Amen. It is a miracle that they get free, but it is the truth that sets them free. There is no other program. There is no other way. This message is the word of God to our generation. Men will rise up and men will fall. Men will claim to be the great one and the great preacher. And I got the great idea and I got the great ministry and all these kind of things. Listen, it's the message that God sent into this hour. There's only one message. There's only one revelation in the day that you're living in. And God sends that into the church and he quickens the church. And through that power, as they become quickened by the Holy Ghost, it brings the miraculous into their lives. And we need the miraculous in our lives. The message is not great men. The message is Christ. All right. These are elementary things to us, but I just want to establish the foundation here. Let's take our Bibles and turn back to the beginning, Acts chapter 2. As we look at just a few scriptures this morning, are you with me so far? All right. Acts chapter 2 and verse 1 says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were with one accord in one place. This last weekend that I was in Germany, uh, those of you that are from Germany know it, it was the weekend of Pentecost. That's the reason they have a long weekend over there. They celebrate the Feast of Pentecost in Germany, and everybody has meetings at Pentecost. Though There was meetings all over the country, and there was preachers from, mostly from North America in different parts of the country preaching the gospel of our day, all right? So we were in Germany at this particular time, and, and uh, you know, and I thought I was thinking about the significance of that for the hour because... Ethiopia is going through their book of Acts, and I'll come back to that in a little bit. But let's follow this through now as chapter 2 and verse 4. All right. Now, they're all one place in one accord. It says, and they were all, verse 4, filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem, because it was the Feast of Pentecost, Jews, devout men, out of every nation under heaven. Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together. So in other words, a lot of the visitors that were kind of in the city, tourists visiting Feast of Pentecost, this was a big tourism weekend in Germany. Even though it's called the Feast of Pentecost, we went over to, uh, to the castle where uh, we had a day before the meetings, and we went over to the castle where Martin Luther translated the 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 Bible into German there. And so uh, it was really nice to visit and see some of that. And, but the roads were packed with people. It took us hours and hours, accidents on the roads. You know what it is that when there's an accident on the highway and you got to divert and all those things. But they weren't thinking about Pentecost, is my point. They called it Pentecost, but they weren't thinking about Pentecost. They were thinking about getting to the ocean. They were thinking about getting to their resort location. They were thinking about getting some place where they can party and they can have their alcohol and they can have all kinds of stuff. But that's what was going on in Jerusalem. It was a feast of Pentecost, but the feast of Pentecost had become a tradition. It had just become something that, well, it's that time of year. Maybe this year we'll go up to Jerusalem and see what's happening at the feast of Pentecost. And so here they were at this particular feast, and, and the Holy Ghost had filled these 120 in the upper room, and they come out of the upper room. It says, 
Verse 6, now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together, were confounded, because that every man heard them speak in his own language. Now, they were from all over the world, as you'll see. They were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? That might be like saying, aren't all these that speak clover daylights? You know. I know, how is it they speak all this various language? Now, we might look around the congregation and say, well, there's a multitude of languages that are here that people could speak in different tongues. But in that day, they only spoke Hebrew or Aramaic. And they come from Galilee. And they're uneducated. But now, as they begin to, as the Holy Ghost began to move them, they begin to testify about the day that they're living in and what God has done in their day. And as they begin to testify, I'll just say it this way, the Germans heard them in German. I don't know if there was any Germans there. It doesn't record Germany. But, you know, the different ones from different countries, there was Romans there, and they heard them in Latin, and different ones heard them in their different languages. And so they're amazed that this group of ignorant, unlearned, simple people could actually interpret the message to go around the world. I want you to think about that a minute. It says, verse 8, How we hear we every man in our own tongue wherein we were born, Parthians and Medes and Elamites and dwellers in Mesopotamia and Judea. See, there were Hebrews there too. And Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia and Phrygia and Pamphylia in Egypt, in the parts of Libya, bound Cyrene, strangers of Rome, Jews and proselytes. All right, so they were Jewish by birth. They were uh, of the seed of Abraham naturally. And there were proselytes. There were people of other descent or heritage that had converted to the Jewish religion. All right, so now we're just painting a picture here. Cretes and Arabians, we do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. So then some begin to mock, and like I said, this was going to be simple this morning, and you can drop in an amen anywhere you feel led. All right. And some begin to mock them and say that they were drunk. You know, these guys are not behaving themselves the way normal people would, and that's the way believers are. We don't behave ourselves in the norm of what is currently acceptable in society. We don't behave ourselves in a politically correct fashion. We don't fit in with what the current idea of proper conversation is, especially when it comes to, uh, I'll just say, political correctness and the things that you have to tolerate. We don't tolerate things. We have a life within us that moves us to speak the truth. It's just that simple. It's not, we're not trying to hurt nobody's feeling. We're not trying to make anybody angry. But there's a life within us that demands truth. Amen. Amen. So Peter gets up and begins to preach. These men are not drunk as you suppose, seeing it's but the third hour of the day. And he begins to, to preach unto them what? Christ. He begins to preach unto them the word in their day. This is what has happened in this day. This is what God has done. This Jesus, whom you rejected and crucified, he is both Lord and Christ. All right, so we're going to jump down now to, to verse 
36, but I want you to see here now that this, as Peter is preaching, this is the first time that a man full of the Holy Ghost preaches a sermon. All right? There have been sermons preached in the Old Testament, but now a man that is born again gets up with the Word of God and begins to preach it as Jesus had the life in him and said, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and life. This man had the life in him and the words that he was speaking to them was spirit and life. It was not like they were used to some rabbi standing and, and dictating the law and telling them what's right and what's wrong and the, and the way that they should conduct themselves in all of their Jewish tradition. This man full of the Holy Ghost was speaking a word that was alive. And I emphasize that this morning because I want you to catch this. It's the word that is alive. It's the word that is preached in power and demonstration. It is by the foolishness of preaching that souls are saved. This is the way God operates. And so now in the book of Acts, as he began to preach the word of God, verse 36, he says, Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made that same Jesus, whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, when they heard this, the Bible says, they were pricked in their heart. Why? Because the word was alive. And said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you, to your children, to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, save yourself from this untoward generation. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same day there was added unto them about 3,000 souls. That's a big baptismal service. Amen. So they all went and were baptized. Now I want you to notice this now because... Throughout history, there have been different helps added to the church, all right? We find Brother Brown talk, I had a quote here, I'll maybe read it to you. He talks about the Methodists and the altar calls and how did that. He says, there's no altar calls in the book of Acts. That's not the way God operated. He says, they believed and they were baptized. He said, there are no prayer lines. You don't find those kind of things in the book of Acts because that wasn't the way that God operated in the original, in the apostolic. Now, we've added these things into the church, and they're all okay in their place. But the important thing, if you don't start with the basic, believing the word, none of those things mean anything. They are empty in themselves, just the same as water baptism. You can go into the waters of baptism. The waters of baptism is just an outward confession of an inward work. So if there's no inward work, then the outward confession is a lie. Amen? It doesn't mean anything, and we'll, we'll get into that also. And so there had to be a reality. Peter stood up as they said, what should we do? Should, and I, I don't mean this against anything. That we still use prayer lines. We still use altar calls. Brother Branham believed in them. But he never said, you need to come to the altar. Right? He never said you need to get in a prayer line. Everybody line up. We're gonna, I'm going to lay hands on all of you. That's not what he said. 
He said, you need to repent. That's number one. Repent of your own ideas. In other words, let the word sink down into your hearts until it's convinced you that there's no other way but this way. If you haven't come there, you're not ready for baptism. But when you come there, as Brother Murphy preached on a surrender, I think we were talking about the other day before I left, you, if you haven't come to a complete surrender to the truth and reality of God, don't even bother. But when you come to that place, then be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Amen. All right, let's go back to Acts chapter 8. So we're just establishing that now. Different things happen between chapter 2 and chapter 8. Chapter 7 is where uh, Stephen is stoned for the message. And we'll pick it up at chapter 8 and verse 1. And Saul, now that we know him now as Paul, but Saul was his name there, was consenting unto his death. And at that time, there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Okay? So now we find here, uh, let's just read a little bit further. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church entering into every house and hailing men and women, committed them to prison. Therefore, they were scattered abroad and went everywhere preaching the word. Now, Saul was the messenger of the first age. He was already helping the church. Come on. He was already helping the church because the word needed to go abroad. And he was just the man. He was starting to arrest them and persecute them and throw them into prison. And so because of that, because of the persecution, they begin to spread out and say, hey, we're getting out of Jerusalem because there's trouble here. And they begin to go into Judea and go into Samaria. Thank you, Saul. Because that's where we find Philip now is he's over in Samaria. It says, and, and um, it says, then Philip, verse 5, went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. Praise the Lord. All right, so now in Samaria, we'll stop there for a moment. Uh, we know the Samaritans are a mixture of Jew and Gentile. And so they're, they're considered uh, not Jewish by the Jews, and so they're kind of keep them at arm's length, as the woman at the well said to Jesus, you know, uh, you Jews have no dealing with us. Why are you even talking to me? But to the Gentiles, they considered them Jewish. And so they weren't accepted by the Gentiles, and they weren't accepted by the Jews. They were just kind of off on their own, doing their own things. But there was a great man, and this is a caution here, there was a great man amongst them considered to be a great man of God, and his name was Simon, all right? And we know him as Simon the sorcerer. But in reality, the people looked at him as being a great minister. See, you never thought of that, did you? 
They, the, Samar- the Samaritans were looking at him saying, this is the man of God who has great power of God. But when the disciples began to preach and Philip began to preach Christ amongst them and they began to see the signs and the wonders and the miracles that followed the word of God, all of a sudden Simon, it drew Simon's attention not because he was repenting, but just because he was interested in holding the preeminent place amongst the Samaritans. They viewed him as the greatest preacher in their midst, and he didn't want to lose that place. And so as, as uh, Philip brought uh, the Samaritans to the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible says in verse 12, when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. So the story of Simon, we won't go into it other than the fact that he never did receive the gospel. And when Peter and the disciples came down and laid their hands on the Samaritans that they might receive the Holy Ghost, then Simon wanted that. It says, I'll give you any amount of money if you give me the power to lay hands on people to receive the Holy Ghost. To him, the gospel was money. And it's not. Now, why did Peter have to come down and pray for them when they believed and were baptized? It was very simple. Peter had the keys to the kingdom. And he was the one that would open the door of the Holy Spirit to Jew Gentile, and Samaritan. It wasn't the laying on of hands in particular, though they did that because they were part Jewish, that brought them the Holy Ghost. But for if we look at the five years later when he goes to the house of Cornelius, we find that the Holy Ghost falls on them while he speaks the word. So it's not the laying on of hands. But God had given Peter a particular place that you are the one that will loose the power of the Holy Ghost into these different peoples of the earth that they might receive the Holy Ghost, that they might follow my instructions and receive it. Now, let's go back just a moment. Are you with me so far? All right. I'm sorry. I, I can't preach like these brothers preach. These are gifted preacher. I'm just me. And so uh, I just am made the way I am. Now you just bear with me, and I believe God will help you. Now, in, in Acts chapter 2, there, the, the historians call that 29 AD. They say that's the year it was, based on who was the, emperor, who was the Roman emperor and all those kind of things. And, uh, and so that may be the fact. It doesn't matter for this particular case. But when in Acts chapter 8, when Philip goes down into Samaria, it's between four and six years later. They don't have an accurate uh, knowledge of exactly the time frame here. But I want you to know this is several years after the day of Pentecost when the Holy Ghost came down. And then from that time in Acts chapter 8 to Acts chapter, what is it, 10 or 11, where he goes to, Peter goes to Cornelius' house, that's another five years later. All right, are you with me? Okay, I just want you to picture this now because it, it gives us an idea. Sometimes we think it's all happening at once, but it's happening over a number of years. 
Now, the key that Peter had in his hands, so to speak, it's not a physical key, but it's not laying on of hands, as I said. That was Jewish tradition, and that's the way the Jews received it. But the key that he had was the revelation of Jesus Christ personally to you. Matthew chapter 16, when, he, when Jesus said, whom, whom do men say that I am? The, some said, you're this, and some said, you're that. And Jesus said, who do you say that I am? Peter says, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus says to him, blessed art thou, Simon, son of Jonas. Flesh and blood is not revealed this unto you, but my Father which is in heaven has revealed this unto you. And upon this rock, what rock? The rock of the revelation of Jesus Christ personally to you. Upon this rock, I'll build my church. And I give you the keys of the kingdom. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So I'm paraphrasing, but you understand the picture now. So go from Matthew 16. Now here we are in the book of Acts where Peter, full of the Holy Ghost, begins to exercise the position to which he is called. And of course, he has great respect in the church. He, Ananias and Sapphira had to learn that it, this is, we're not playing games this gospel is not playing games. Amen. You know, and I'll say it's the same in this hour. This is not playing games. Amen. I see, listen, when I travel, I see men that, that make mistakes in their life, that make decisions, I'll call it that way, lacking in character. And I just think to myself, you don't understand. This is not a game. Right. We, are, we are not involved in some kind of a political movement. This is not a philosophy. This is the supernatural Word of God that is going out in this hour because the seals have been loosed and that's calling a bride into her position and clothing her with the Word of God. And the mighty God of heaven who created all things is behind this message. And He will ensure that it accomplishes all that it is sent for. That's what we're dealing with. And Peter as he began to operate in that office, let's, let's, and, and the Samaritans receive the Holy Ghost, and Simon is rejected, and all of those things. Now we're going to jump down to chapter 20, or verse 26 of chapter 8. Still with me? All right. The angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, here is where we read, go south unto the way that goeth from Jerusalem to Gaza, which is the desert, verse 27, 8 and verse 27. He arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority, under Candace, queen of Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure, had come to Jerusalem for to worship. All right, now, here's another thought for you. This man retraced the path of the queen of the south, who came to see Solomon. This man came to Jerusalem to worship. They were already, the Ethiopians were already under the, I'll call it, Judaistic idea that was imparted to the queen of the south by Solomon. And they had this idea of worship that the center of worship was at Jerusalem. Now they had their, all their various add-ons to that idea. 
but they, they had this concept because of Solomon and the queen of the south. Now this man, the, one of the greatest men in the country of Ethiopia, comes and retraces the steps. I don't know if he thought of it that way, but that's what he was doing. He's retracing the steps of the queen of the south. Hallelujah. And he's about to meet a greater than Solomon. He doesn't know it. He just knows the Solomon of history. But he didn't know that a greater than Solomon was moving amongst his people. A greater than Solomon had walked there in Jerusalem. And so now he had come. And this was after the fact of the day of Pentecost. Why he wasn't there on that particular day of Pentecost a few years earlier, we don't know. But God never loses one. So I want you to notice the sovereignty of God in this, that he takes Philip, a man that will obey him and isn't concerned about numbers or the size of the church or anything like that, and will just say, Lord, if you want me in the desert, then that's where I want to be. And he just goes down to the desert and thinks, what on earth am I doing here? All I know is God sent me here. And all of a sudden, he he sees this chariot coming by, right? Let's read a little bit. And... and, uh, 29. Then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the book of the prophet Isaiah and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, How can I except some man should guide me? I could so say something here. I don't know if this would be all right, Brother Tom, but I'll just say, they told me at Jerusalem to just press play. That's as far as I'll go with that one. But he said, how can I understand lest some man guide me? You want to know the importance of the ministry? The Bible is telling you. Sorry if that hurt somebody's feelings. I hope that you understand it comes with love. All right. And, and how could I understand except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. And the place of the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter and like a lamb dumb before his shearer. So he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away, and who hath shall declare his generation, for his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet this, of himself or of some other man? Now Philip has an advantage in that he's got the Holy Ghost. As Jesus said to Nicodemus, you can't understand the kingdom of God unless you're born again. All right. So Philip looks, into, looks at the scripture that this man's reading and not understanding and could say to him, the problem here is that you don't have the Holy Ghost. All right. But he didn't say that. He just began to explain to him the day that they're living in. Hello? He began to explain to him the day that they're living in and the message that was sent for their day. And as he begins to expound to them Christ, now remember, as I said at the beginning, the message of the hour is so designed of God to reach into the hearts of the elect and quicken the predestinated seed. Amen. there's There's no instruction. This is not legalism. This is not puritanism. 
I have to emphasize this, I'm sorry. But it, this is not some kind of something that we tell people, well, this is the steps you need to take. No, we preach the word. And as we preach the word, if they're predestinated of God, it will quicken that seed. And it will move them to the reality as Philip brought the reality to this eunuch and the eunuch began to digest this. And he could say his heart strangely burned within him, as Wesley said in his day. Or he could say, you know, uh, or as they said on the road to Emmaus or uh, different things that happened. Something was taking place that was more supernatural than could be seen with the naked eye. It was not signs and wonders in the natural. It wasn't a show. It wasn't showmanship. It wasn't Philip's salesmanship that was able to sell him the message. It was the Word delivered in the power of the Holy Ghost that struck the heart of the predestinated seed, and the man couldn't get away from it. Hallelujah. And as they went on their way, they came unto a... All right, let's go back. 35. Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture, scripture, began at the same scripture. I'm sorry, I could just preach a sermon out of every verse here. You take one scripture. I've, I've been tempted to do that overseas and just get up in the pulpit and say, give me a scripture. All right, we'll start there. Because you can do that in the Bible. Because it's Christ in every scripture. And, and, and you know, they began at the scripture. Philip says, this is a good place to start. And he preached to him Christ. He preached to him the anointed word. He preached to him the message of the hour. I don't care what you, how you want to call it. It's all the same. He preached the revelation in that day. He didn't preach to him an ark. He didn't preach to him crossing the Red Sea. Though he might have used it as a type. He didn't preach to him something for another day. He preached to him the word for their day. Amen. The, the new covenant that had been established in the church. And, and 20, uh, 36, he says, As they went on their way, they came unto a certain water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What does hinder me to be baptized? You can't preach the gospel without talking about baptism. They'd already talked about it. And so now the eunuch says, Baptism? Water? Here's water. What stops me from being baptized? He doesn't even realize he's in the process of meeting a greater than Solomon. Hallelujah. He's walking in the footsteps of his queen from hundreds of years earlier. As she met the wisdom of Solomon, now he was meeting the very mind of Jesus Christ. And Philip said, I love these words, If thou believest with all thy heart... Not if you believe a little bit, not if you're convinced, not, not if you think it's a good idea, not if you want to join the church, not if you want to be a part of us, not if you want God to do something in your life. Listen, baptism isn't to get God to do something in your life. Baptism is to acknowledge that God has done something in your life. If thou believest with all thy heart, amen, thou mayest. And he answered, and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Amen. Wait a second. That's Matthew 16. That's the same revelation that Peter had. As he said, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And here's the eunuch now confessing the same revelation. 
Philip had preached unto him the word of God, and, and Philip can't give revelation any more than I can give revelation any more than these brothers can give revelation. But God, flesh and blood, has not revealed this unto you, but my Father in heaven has revealed this unto you. Now, Philip, of course, had the advantage in that God told me to be out here. It came, this chariot came by. God told me to join to the chariot. And now I know this is the man I can focus everything I have on this man. Praise the Lord. I love those situations where, you know, hey, this is God. There ain't no doubt about it. God's doing this. So I don't have no fears. I don't have no qualms. I don't have no reservations. I can dump the whole load right on this one man. And I'm sure Philip did. And the man says, I believe with everything within me. Hallelujah. And he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, what an experience. When they come up out of the water, oh, praise the Lord, Philip. Oh, that was so what. Philip was caught away out of his midst. The eunuch was about to hug him. He was full of the Holy Ghost, and there's nobody there. Can you imagine that, somebody getting baptized? You baptizing somebody, or Brother Michael, in the water here, and, and they just come up out of the water, and Michael's gone. <laughs> Praise the Lord, out in some desert somewhere. <laughs> Karamoja or something. <laughs> what an experience. Where God is, the supernatural happens. Philip didn't have to ask to be taken out of there. Philip was willing to just carry right on, but God had it all under his control, the sovereign God. So now let's just look at this for a moment before we start talking about Ethiopia. Who was this eunuch? He came at a time Listen, he was not called to come at the time when in the book of Acts where the 3,000 were saved. This is now a few years later. The timing was the time when the message was being suppressed or persecuted. The church wanted to annihilate this idea of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The Jewish uh, church, this man was a, a Jewish convert he, he was a black man who believed what Solomon believed. And, I, and I'll just remind you this, Ethiopians, they look at Acts chapter 8 as their own, but they go all the way back to the book of Kings in the time of Solomon, and they view that God has something special for Ethiopia, and I can't deny that. It's a country that God, for some reason, singles out at particular times in the Bible. But now the Holy Spirit was given to the Jews. The Holy Spirit was opened up to the Samaritans. But I'll just say, as yet, the Holy Ghost was not yet given to the Gentiles. So this is an amazing thing. So this man, a Gentile from Ethiopia was now going back to Ethiopia. Did he have the Holy Ghost? I don't know. But I'll say it to you this way. In five years, when the Holy Spirit began to be poured out on the house of Cornelius, 
I wonder what was happening in Ethiopia because the gospel was already being preached there. Just the same as Acts chapter 19 when Paul goes to Ephesus and finds believers there believing according to John the Baptist's ministry. But he says, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said, we don't know whether there be any Holy Ghost. And he said, well, how were you baptized? And they said, we were baptized to John's baptism, unto John's baptism. And he said, John verily baptized unto repentance, but you must be baptized for the remission of sins in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. They were believers, but they hadn't followed the right recipe. But now the eunuch had the right recipe and the believer and was going to take that back to his people in Ethiopia. So now, in this particular time, right after God had quickened the Samaritans, and I want you to just focus a moment, God turns to the Ethiopians. A particular nation with a particular history at this particular time. And God says, it's their time to receive the gospel. It's in the book of Acts. It's what God is doing. Don't worry, I'm not making some big thing out of it. I'm just drawing your attention to it. God is sovereignly moving. There was nobody of the disciples that said, you know what? We need to do something for the Ethiopians. Come on. This gospel is supernatural. This gospel is led by the Holy Spirit. This gospel is not led by men. All right. So Brother Bram says it this way. He left the eunuch, or Philip, I'm sorry, talking about Philip. He says, he left Samaria to go out in the desert right in the midst of a big meeting. Left thousands of people in this city, was rejoicing. And God said, go out and stand in the desert. He says, for one man, an Ethiopian, a colored man coming down from Jerusalem, returning to Ethiopia, who had joined greatly with the, with the queen, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. He didn't understand what he was reading, and God told Philip, go join yourself with him. And when he did, he spoke to him about Christ, Jesus, Christ Jesus, baptized him in the little hole of water out there, and Philip never did return back to Samaria, as far as we know in the Bible, or the Bible gives reference. The Holy Ghost caught him away, and the eunuch didn't see him no more. And the eunuch, taking that message on down into Africa. See, there you are. Listen now. You see, he says, God knows what to do. Many times we guess at it, but God knows just exactly what's right, doesn't he? Then Brother Bram says, oh, how I love him. His sovereignty, his goodness, his mercy. And I do too. I love his sovereignty. I love to discover his sovereignty. I love to see his hand moving in, in particular ways. God's pattern always is the same. It's always on display. We don't always see it. But when we discover it, we find it takes us right back into the word of God. You know, the, the people that are coming into the light of this hour, the present light that God has sent to get a bride ready for rapture, 
Many of these people, and I refer to what Brother Branham says here. Many of these people, I'll say the majority of these people, almost all of these people, none of them are looking for some kind of a experience. They're looking for the truth. They're looking for the life that comes from the truth. And they're looking for the way forward. Because denominations have lost their way. And churches have lost their way. And if they're in the world, they certainly have lost their way. And Jesus, of course, said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man cometh unto the Father but by me. That's John 14. But Brother Bradham, after the opening of the seals, he, he begins to make um, a statement that, that's become very true in the opening of the word that he, I don't find him really making it before the opening of the seals. And I want you to catch what he's saying here as I read you a couple quotes before we put the slides up. In your, is your life worthy of the gospel? 1963 says, The Holy Spirit in the form of a pillar of fire, God coming down in manifestation, brought out the first exodus and brought Israel out of Egypt. The second exodus was Christ bringing the church out of Judaism. All right, so that's what happened to the eunuch in Acts chapter 8. He says, And the third exodus is the same pillar of fire that takes the bride from the church. Okay? That's what's happening in our day. All right? Let me read it. Warning, then judgment. There's many, many quotes like this. It says, Now God is the message of repentance to the church nominal. God is in the message of divine healing to the church Pentecostal. God's in the message to the bride. Okay, so there he shows the three different aspects of God's deal. He says, repentance, God's in that. He says, divine healing, God's in that. But there's a message to the bride, and God's in that. He says, God calling, same quote, God calling the church out of the world, calling the denominal church into, into Pentecost, and calling the bride out of Pentecost. All three are happening at the same time, all right? The token message. We're also facing another exodus. God bringing Israel out of Egypt to the promised land was a type of Christ bringing the bride out of the church to the promised land. We are in another exodus. As God brought a nation out of a nation, God will bring the bride out of a church. The bride will be called from the churches. It'll be elected and will be brought out. Trying to do God a service right at the end of Brother Brown's ministry. Now is the bride calling. Now's when the seven seals has been opened. Now's when the complete things that the reformers has left has to be opened. And only Malachi 4 can do that. You say amen to that. He says, because it takes the revelation straight from God to an individual to do that. That's right. It can't come to a group. Never did. One man. That's what God promised in the shadows of the coming for his bride, an Eliezer. Amen. So the prophet of God laying out God's pattern in the day that we're living in. 
He says that we're in the third exodus. He goes back to the Old Testament, the time of Christ, and today. You know what? We could go back to the Old Testament for Ethiopia. Go back to the time of Christ for Ethiopia and for Ethiopia today. So we see the same parallel in the same way. And he, and he furthermore, he goes, he likens it to three phases of the message right within the framework of the church in the Laodicean age. He says, there's a message of repentance to bring people out of the world into the church. But says, there's a message of divine healing, or, he's, uh, uh, or you could go further in different quotes and talk about the, the gifts and things to bring the people out of the church into a Pentecostal movement. But then he said, there's the message to bring the bride out of the the Pentecostal movement into the rapture. Amen. And so these are the things that, are, that we see happening right amongst us. I say that just to say, and you can put the slides up now, uh, just to say God's pattern doesn't change. Okay. Now, I don't have words to express in a short time just what God is doing in Ethiopia. I trust the Lord will help me to paint a picture for you here. And uh, we're in uh, Northeast Africa here in Ethiopia. And uh, that is, you can see that below Ethiopia is Kenya, where Brother Gilbert's from. Beside Kenya is Uganda, where we're doing a lot of work also. And so this is the country of Ethiopia. It's a little ways. I was looking in, at my globe in my office at home and just tracing the route of the eunuch, you know, all the way up to Jerusalem. That's a long trip. The roads today would be bad if you did it by car. He did it by chariot. What a man. You know, he was, he was really uh, moved to do that. It was God calling him to receive the message. It was the sovereignty of God. He didn't go to Jerusalem to receive the gospel. God led him to Jerusalem that he might receive the gospel. That's a big difference. Okay, so we went to, into the country and we were, we were scheduled to have two meetings uh, in two places. One is Addis Ababa, one is in Hawassa. And uh, these, these are uh, two different cities, two different languages. Addis Ababa is the capital, and you'll see that in the center there. And uh, the, the meetings there were in Amharic, which is the national language. Hawassa is the, uh, a town more to the south. It's a very religious, some would say spiritual town. It's also a bit of a resort town because it's on the lake. A lot of people resort there. You know, we, we, we were in the hotel there where the, while the embassy of the country of Chad was in the hotel. And, you know, there was different representatives of, and there was meetings there that they were having. We couldn't even use the dining room because they were having this. I can't remember what the subject of the meeting was, but it was an international gathering in the hotel where we were staying. And so uh, in Hawassa, they have it we have the language Afanaromo, which is a language that is used in a larger part of Ethiopia. And uh, uh, there in the town of Hawassa was what the meetings were in. Now, I'll say in Amharic, we now have 151 translations. And we have Amharic on the Message Hub mobile app. So all the translations are available to all the believers in Ethiopia. All right. In Afanaromo, we have 50, 
I didn't write it down here, I think it's 52 translations in Aphanaroma. We're just finishing up the Church Age book, and uh, uh, those are also now on the Message Hub mobile app. God bless you, Brother Darren, and all of your crew that work with you on the Message Hub, because this is a key component of getting the message out into that country. You know, if we look at Brother Biscoe's ministry, and you see how he did things in this day, He went into countries and preached the Word. The Word inspired people to get into the message. It still takes anointed ministries to take the Word. But Brother Biscoe didn't stay in those countries. He didn't control those countries. He didn't try and control those brothers. But one thing that he always tried to do was to find men in that country who were God-called men. And that is our pattern. You know, an outsider can come in and pastor for a season. And we even know as we went into Ethiopia, we sponsored Brother Busabozi. He, he probably, you know, he says he had thought of it, but I don't know that he thought that he was going to go there on his honeymoon until I talked to him. And, and, uh, and so as, as we sent him into the country of Ethiopia, and he began to go in as an evangelist. And then finally we sponsored him to be there for a number of years. I think it was three years to begin to pastor those people and ground them in the Word of God. And we thank God for Brother Busabozi's ministry. But there came a time where God allowed the government to change the laws so that he had to leave the country. And I could say that's an integral part, as you'll see as we go on, is that someone from another country it cannot really be a pastor of sheep that speak a different language, that have a different culture, that have a different upbringing, there must be local pastors. All right? That's, you can argue with me if you want, but that's just the way I see it. That's the way I've experienced. That's the way of the success. The church will not be successful until local ministry rises up. Okay? And there's never been a time to pray for a local ministry like this hour. It's just the way it is. You know, you... There's places, I, I think, we just did a podcast on the country of Japan, and uh, the pastor there is Filipino, and the Filipinos are wonderful people, but they need a Japanese minister. They need somebody who knows their language, knows their culture, knows their people, all of those things, and you, you see this in different places where the word is going in. If it doesn't come through local people, it just isn't going to be successful. I'm sorry if that offends anybody, but that's just the way that I see it from my experiences over the year. And any missionaries that have gone in, like Brother Biskel or Brother Hildebrandt or different ones, they've always supported the local ministry. So we we had meetings in these two places, but these are all the places where there was groups of people that came together, all right? And these are not the only places that people came from, but these are the main locations where people begin to gather from. So the message is reaching across the country. There are believers in the north there, in the Tigray region, but that's where the wars have been. And you need to pray for, and we are, I'm really praying right now about what the Lord would have us to do, because you think it's bad here with inflation? Their inflation is running right now about 35%, okay? Their costs of, of fuel has gone up four times. Their, their coffee, which is a staple in that country, 
has gone up 600%. Their bus fare, just to ride the bus, has gone up 12 times. This is the kind of thing that's ravaging. They're just surviving financially. And so you pray for the believers there that God will uh, help them and encourage them. And so we had three, four meetings in Addis Ababa, three meetings in Hawassa. I should say five meetings in Addis Ababa if you include the midweek. And, uh, and so uh, these are, we, our object was to gather the people around the country together under the word of God and minister to them in the light of our hour like a convention. This was 2016 when I was there. You can actually see Andrew at the back there on the right. This was 2019. Not a whole lot of change. But I was, as I was looking at this picture, except for the guy in the turban at the back, because he just stepped into the picture to be a part of it. He wasn't even in church. <laughs> <laughs> What do they call that? Photobombing? Yeah. He, he, he was just photobombing. He just wanted to be in the picture. All of these people you see in this picture are still there. All right. Many of them are leaders right now in the, in the message of the hour. If I, I think we have a, a pointer here. For those of you that are local, you won't see this online. But, you know, uh, this is Brother David here, Brother Ephraim, Brother Gurmay, Brother Mogus, who's the pastor now. Uh, brother Aseged, uh, this brother, I can't remember his name, but all of these people are still a part of the message in this hour. So that, isn't that wonderful? All right. So this is, yeah, go ahead. Testifies of a great work that was done by Brother Basabozi and, and those that were involved in the early years. This is 2019. This is today. And I was so disappointed because they didn't get good pictures. This wasn't even the largest crowd that we had. But this kind of represents where it's at. The message has grown phenomenally in the country of Ethiopia. And not only, uh, not only do they uh, gather from the places where they did, there was many, many people who could not make it to the meetings, as always happens. There's work, there's different reasons that people cannot make it into the meetings. But God is doing a wonderful thing in that country. They, they've fixed up their church. It looks really nice. This one's for Brother Darren. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, they've done a nice job of painting. We sent a sound system over this year because the church has grown and they needed increased sound and all of those kind of things. Brother Darren helped me put that together. And so... Uh, I can just say the microphones work great. Brother Michael, those microphones work great. And, uh, and so we, we're just so thrilled with what God is doing through them. Okay? Now let's, let's just start there. And, and, you know, the meetings are were just, uh, just like they would be here. Their worship's a little bit different. I don't know their language, so I have trouble worshiping with them. But, you know, the meetings were just really, really wonderful. There they have their little children singing, their little specials. And we had a, a baby dedication. This is Brother Ephraim and his wife. And, and uh, we had a baby dedication while we were there. We had minister ordination. Brother Ephraim and Brother Tesfa, both of them from 
the Hawassa area, and they're a part of the church in Hawassa, and they were uh, ordained as a recognition of the people recognizing the gifts that are in the body. And so God, may God bless them and abundantly use them as we laid hands upon them as they went out. They're not the first ministers that we've ordained, but this is, this is a furtherance of the spread of the ministry in the country. There were baptisms that took place at the end of the meeting, and uh, this isn't all of them, but the one on the left is Brother uh, Daniel. Brother Daniel's a Pentecostal evangelist. And he was going to convert the brothers away from the message as he argued with them about baptism and Godhead and all of those things. And they just told them the Word of God and just showed them the Word. And as he began to look at the Word and, and in an honest heart begin to examine the message of the hour, he realized who was wrong and who was right. And God opened his eyes and and he was baptized that weekend in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So pray for Brother Daniel and this other brother and sister that are here and the others that were baptized there. So we thank God for all of that. You know, we had, we had wonderful, wonderful meetings. Uh, the Lord just poured out His Spirit. You know me. Uh, in the way that I preach, I don't preach to an altar call. I don't preach to that sort of a meeting. There are brothers that meet preach towards that sort of thing, and that's fine. But in the midst of the Saturday night meeting, the presence of God just came down so powerfully. The altars were filled. The aisles were filled. I think everybody in the church just looked for a place to get on their face and get before God. So mighty was the presence of the Lord as He revealed His Word to the people. And we give God all the glory for that. You know, it's, it's just the hand of God. It's got nothing to do with the instrument. We are just instruments in God's hands. There was a visiting minister that came to, I think it was in the meetings of, well, let me just go a little bit further here first. So this is the... <laughs> This is the wave sheaf of the Afan Romo Church Age book. This is the Ephesian Church Age chapter. And as they were working on the Church Age book, we were hoping to get it completed and printed before the meetings, but they just felt that they weren't totally comfortable with the proofreading of the book. So they said, we're done the Ephesian Church Age, let's just print that chapter. And so the people that speak the Afan Romo language, they just devoured the books. Whatever books were, were, were available, they just wanted to take them and use them and, and digest them. And so we thank God for the efforts of the laborers. This is after the, um, at the um, Addis Ababa meetings. These are the brothers that are mainly uh, a part of the leadership there. I'll just introduce them to you. And... Uh, you know the two people on the left, but next to that is Brother Mogus, the pastor, and then there's Brother Gurme. Uh, he's the one that married Sister Yodit, one of the first converts there. Next to him is Brother Asagid. Brother Asagid is actually a very educated man, runs a college in the city of, uh, owns a college in the city of Addis Ababa, and, and so he's, uh, he's also a minister there. Next to him is the main translator, the short fellow, Brother uh, Abebe. I'm sorry, I forgot his name for a second there. And the Lord is using him and blessing him. He's an engineer. Most of these people are very educated. 
And he's an engineer, and he's the main translator working on Afanaroma with Brother Mogus, the pastor, who also is from that region. And next to him is Brother Ephraim. And Brother Ephraim's a young man of 23 years old, probably one of the main uh, uh, men there in uh, Hawassa. He originally started out in uh, Addis Ababa. Uh, he lost his dad at a very young age. His dad was a translator of this message. And uh, they were very destitute. And Brother uh, Mogus and Brother Basabosi found them and, and helped them. And now they're just solid in the Word of God, and we thank God for that. You know, sometimes you just need to help people a little bit. And they were in a very destitute state, but the Lord had mercy upon them. And so he's just a real solid young man. Matter of fact, Andrew, my son, went with him early to Hawassa to just begin to prepare for the meetings. And Brother Ephraim, he's a young man. He's 23 years old, but he's fearless. And he had set up meetings with the biggest Pentecostal preachers in Hawassa. And Andrew was to go there and to explain to them the message and how to find the message in the Bible. And the, the preachers were very, uh, uh, how can I say, accepting of the truths that are in the message, but they recognized if we receive this message, we have a lot to lose because they were very influential men in their denomination. They were very, um, had high positions. And so while they believed, they did not receive. And I said to the young brothers, they said, well, what should we do? Should we meet with them again? They wanted to meet again. I said, I said why would you meet them again? I said, you've given them the message. Let the Holy Spirit work on them. I said, maybe there's a gyrus amongst them, a secret believer in the Bible that God's going to put into a terrible estate in his life as Jairus was about to lose his daughter. He had to come into the open on his faith in Jesus Christ. I says, let the Lord work on them. I says, I says but let me just, and I just share this with you, let me just say it this way. You have to be careful of men of high position like Simon amongst the Samaritans. Why do they want the message? Do they want to be right or they, do they want to have further influence? And I said, these men are gifted men of organization. Whether God calls them or not, you give them the message. Let the Holy Spirit work on them. And if God quickens them, they'll be willing to leave everything behind. Don't worry about that. You just give them the message. And the Lord will do the rest of it. So they appreciated that. And Andrew went there ministering ahead of me and, and did a wonderful job in trying to break down the barriers there. One of those ministers came to the meeting in Hawassa and rebuked the brothers. <laughs> this is how much they love the message. You know, they always do, don't they? They love the message, but they don't want to surrender to it. And, and he rebuked the brothers. He says, these meetings ought to have been advertised all over the country. Now you can see the mindset of a denominational organizational man, all right? These meetings ought to be put all over. The, you ought to have had this on television. You ought to have had this in the stadium. Or you, ought, you know, they're, they're just thinking how great the message was and how, how much it would impact the people on a national level and all of that sort of thing. And it's true in that it is the greatest message in the world, but that's not God's way. 
I know some of you are thinking, why couldn't we do that? <laughs> Listen, that just, I've never found that to be God's way. God goes in like eunuch to the, or like Philip to the eunuch and takes one and sends that one to his people. And then it begins to open up as I tell you about Brother Joseph here. Brother Joseph is a testimony of the sovereignty of God. Is the man standing in the middle there uh, between Andrew and I? His name is Joseph Derissa. Brother Joseph was a, was a Pentecostal oneness preacher. They were preparing him to be a bishop. He was a man highly thought of. He has a church and a congregation and all of those things. And, and he was very burdened for more of God and desiring the life that was in the book of Acts. He believed the book of Acts. He, he believed the Word of God. He believed in the supernatural. But where was the life that the disciples had? And that was his burden. And one day he had a dream, and he dreamed that he was asleep in a dark place with all of his congregation. Now, as I say that because Ethiopians dream a lot. They see visions. They're a spiritual people. But, you know, that's all fine in its place, but that's not the life. And so as he began to uh, see this dream, he says, I, I, I really need to wake my people up, and I really need to get out of this dark place and get into a place where there is light. And God began to deal with him, and he began to read a book. As he began to search for the life that is in the Word of God. He read a book, a history book of his church, and written by a, a fellow from his church by the name of Bernard. And it's a history of the revival of the 20th century. And in the history book was William Branham's name and his position uh, as a prophet and how God used him in the early years of the revival. But he went, uh, to, to use the description, uh, I'll, I'll read it right out of the book actually because I, I downloaded the book. It says, in his later ministry, he began to emphasize doctrine, including several unusual aberrational beliefs. Aberrational means um, perverted or, or uh, wrong, basically, uh, polluted or something like that. Okay? He says, they might say, why am I reading this? Because this is what quickened Brother Joseph. This negative book is what brought the light to this man's eyes. And I'll read it to you. The book says about Brother Branham, his following narrowed to those who embraced these views. In particular, he taught what is known as serpent seed doctrine. Anybody ever heard of that? <laughs> so, of course, we've all heard of that. He says, the doctrine asserts that the original sin of the human race was sexual in the Garden of Eden, Eve committed sin and became spiritually polluted by having a sexual relationship with the devil. Well, he got it wrong. She didn't have it with the devil. She had it with the serpent. It says, by having sexual relations with her after this time, Adam likewise became polluted. In this way, the whole human race became under sin and perpetuates sin to future generations. Well, he's pretty accurate so far. It says, Branham further maintained that Eve conceived a child by the devil. Well, it was actually by the serpent. Namely, Cain. 
Cain and his descendants were therefore predestinated to damnation. This satanic bloodline survived the flood because one of Noah's daughter-in-laws was supposedly a descendant of Cain. Thus, even today, some people are literally children of the devil. Well, that's not what we believe, but nevertheless, literally children of the devil and cannot be saved. They will be annihilated in the end of time. Obviously, the fellow never caught that it went from a natural seed to a faith seed. Nevertheless, there was enough truth in this error Every lie contains some truth. All right? So there was enough truth in this that Brother Joseph tells us, I was reading this and I saw that it was the truth. Nobody had witnessed to him. Nobody talked to him. He had never heard of the message before. He had never heard of William Branham before. But now as he began to read this, he began to see this man indeed was a prophet and his doctrine was the truth. Hallelujah. So now he began a search as he had access to the internet. So thank God for the internet for that, I guess. And he began to search on the internet for William Branham and in particular in Ethiopia. Well, guess what one of the sites that he ends up on? Cloverdale Bible Way. We have things about William Branham and Ethiopia. And so he ends up here, and he sends me an email. Now, I don't know him yet. I just get an email from a remote location in Ethiopia. It says, hello, I'm a Pentecostal minister, and uh, uh, I would like to know more about this uh, William Branham. And so I just take the email and forward it directly to Brother Mogus. I say, Brother Mogus, here, here's a man that is... Uh, Looks like he's searching. I'm not sure if you've already met him. Is he in fellowship with you? I don't know anything. It's a very vague email, but maybe you could follow up on it and, uh, and see what happens. So this just happened last year, okay? So now Brother Joseph here, he, uh, he's also searching and finds other message material, okay? And some of the other message material is that you don't need to go to church, and you don't need to be in fellowship, and you don't need ministry, and, but you know what? He's just been involved in a denomination, and he sees through that like that. He says, that's not real. That's not the way God works. And, and it struck him, I, I must find some believers here in Ethiopia, and through connections and Brother Mogus contacting him and another connection that was made through somebody else, all, now he comes in contact with the believers in Addis Ababa, and after fellowshipping with them, he says, I must be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. He had come to the realization, and God sovereignly brought this man, a minister, into the message of the hour. I want you to catch that. This is beyond human instrumentality. This isn't even a Philip going down and waiting in the desert. This is a man out of nowhere, hundreds of kilometers from the capital city, that says, I need this message. Because I read about it in a book that said it was wrong. So I just say, thank God for every negative website. I thank God for everybody trying to tear down the message. You know, you want to say something negative about it? A seed of God will see through the negative. Praise be to God. And I told Brother Joseph, I said, I'll say to you what the Holy Spirit said to Paul about Corinth. Don't fear. God has much seed in that area. That he sovereignly went to you a minister. 
to bring you into the light of this hour, I am sure that there will be much seed come in through your ministry. Well, after we left the country of Ethiopia, the brothers headed down that way. And uh, there was a group there of Christians that Brother Joseph knew, and the brothers took message books with them, as you can see, and headed down to this place about halfway between Addis Ababa and uh, Bedeli, which is where Brother Joseph is from, and they just took the message already. They're already, the convention's just over, Brother Tom. They've got to be exhausted. You've got to understand in these conventions, they don't have resources like we do. They have 20 to 30 people staying in a home. Whoever's got a home, these people are traveling in, 20 people sleeping on the floor, sleeping on the couches, sleeping on the dining room table, sleeping wherever they can find a place to sleep. They're all over the place. And God just blessed them. And they're exhausted, and they said, let's hit the road. Let's go and find these seed. And they head down into, I can't remember the name of the town, and as they're down there, they begin speaking to these people, and 15 of these people embrace the message of the hour just this week. Amen. And they're preparing now to go to Addis Ababa and be baptized because there's not a lot of water around this place where they live. So they say, well, we might as well come up to Addis Ababa and have, uh, have baptism up there. So they'll be up there shortly. Um, and uh, we pray that God will bless them abundantly. There are so many doors opening right now in Ethiopia. I'm glad that we ordained two more ministers. I'm glad that there's now, that'll make five ordained ministers in Ethiopia in the last 10 years from nothing. From nothing. I say praise be to God. This was a meeting in Hawassa, and uh, this is uh, the, the gathering there. They have their own little place that they rent for a church building. They're going to lose it uh, because of the economic situation and the people want to develop the land and that sort of thing. So pray for them that God will open up another door for them to have meetings. Uh, there's Andrew preaching, people getting excited and blocking my camera shot, but that's, that's all right. We love people to be free in the Spirit. And uh, this is a family. I wanted to touch on this. Are you still with me? Is this okay? All right. This is a family here in Ethiopia that... Uh, there are a couple of brothers, and I'll introduce them to you in a moment, that uh, were from other, outside the country that around the same time that this work began in Ethiopia, they also moved into the country and began to witness people not at all involved with what we were doing. And this is uh, some of the people that had believed the message, but they became deserted during covid and again, the importance of local ministry. All right? They had ministry from outside the country, but now when COVID hit and people couldn't travel, unless really you were a local, they just, they be, there was about 30 to 40 believers around the country that felt like they had been forsaken. They had left their churches. They had begun to follow the light of the message. But now what happened was uh, the brother that was involved with them uh, found Brother Mogus and says, look, we have to recover these people. And these people was one of the families, and they were at the meetings. They're from Arba Minch, quite a ways away. And they were at the meetings, and they were just thrilled 
to be back in fellowship with believers. I'll tell you what, you don't understand what fellowship means until you don't have it. And as they were isolated and felt deserted, but God was watching over them. And I thank God for Brother Mogus, and he's got a real pastor's heart. And uh, he reached out to them and went the extra mile to make sure that they felt welcome, made sure they could have transportation to the meetings, made sure that they could have a place to stay and all of those kind of things. And God blessed them abundantly and poured out upon their lives. And I say praise be to God. Every seed is important to God. And I, I just wanted to mention that. This is after the meetings in Hawassa. Many of these brothers, I, I just wanted to show you this picture because this is the other minister here, Brother Tesfa. And he's a young minister that we ordained. He's been in the message for about five years. And uh, I'll just say it this way about Brother Tesfa. I've watched him over the, the trips that I've had into Ethiopia. And, you know, you try to discern somebody's spirit. And you see the man is really wrestling with something. And there was something heavy in his life. And I didn't know what it was with just the devil working on him, because he's from a denominational background, as most of those people are, and he really was wrestling with something. This year in the meetings, he was on fire. Absolutely on fire. And I just thought, is this the same guy? Something had happened to him this past year. And I just say, glory be to God. You know, God has a way. Sometimes it takes a little while for somebody. And uh, he's had struggles, I know, in his home, but his wife was there, and he was there, and they were just enjoying the meetings, and we thank God for that, and some of these other brothers. The brother standing next to me is Brother Tesfe, not Tesfa, but Tesfe, if I say it right, and he is a brother that, he was just there every meeting, quiet, not, not really making, you know, he was enjoying the meetings, but not really standing out as being anything uh, in particular, I just kind of asked Brother Mogus, I said, who is this brother here? And he said, oh, that's Brother Tesfa. He says, he, he lives about a hundred and some kilometers from here. He says, but he never misses a meeting. He travels and he makes sure he's in church. He was in every meeting in both places. And he, he just, you can just see the glow of God on his life. And we thank God for what Lord's doing with him. Next picture here is for the sisters. The sisters over there send their greetings to all the sisters here. You don't often get to see this, but I just, they sent me this picture, so God bless you, sisters. They just want to so much send their greetings and their love to you from the sisters over there in Ethiopia. This is Brother uh, Gideon, the brother I was talking about from, from Zimbabwe that had done quite a bit of work reaching out and finding people, but found out that it wasn't so easy to maybe minister to them on the level that he would have desired and I wanted to say this. I'll go to the next picture too just to group them together. This is a brother by the name of Kepha or Kepha, a friend of Brother Gilbert's actually. And uh, he, he was in the meetings. And he, he pulled out, a, he had his little satchel with his Bible in it and he says, there's two books in here that changed my life. And the first book he pulled out was the family altar book. Everywhere I go I find it. This is Germany, you know. Uh, we just thank God that he's made it useful. And uh, so he said, this, this has changed my life. And he says, it helped me to understand it's not just the message, it's also the Bible. And I thought, well, Lord, if that's, if that's what he got out of it, that's wonderful. And, uh, and so he just stood there. But him and, 
and Brother Gideon here were both men that came into the country. Brother Kepha's Kenyan, Brother Gideon is Zimbabwean. And they, Brother Gideon works at the uh, African Union, which is like the United Nations of Africa that is there in Ethiopia. And Brother Kepha's wife works in the same place. And so they're in the country, and they're, they're wanting to do something for God, and they're witnessing to people the message of the hour. But over the years, uh, I'll just say they were quite resistant to what Cloverdale Bible Way was doing in Ethiopia. And I say this for a reason. Not to downplay them at all. I believe they're men of God. But we never criticized them. We never spoke against them. We never had an argument with them. We, we reached out to them. I know Brother Buss did, Brother Mogus did, and even I myself had some emails and tried to just encourage them. If you don't, if you, you don't have to walk with us to serve God. Just win people to the Lord. Witness the message. You know, you want some books? We'll get you some books. All of those kind of things. And you know, it just showed it was the right attitude to take. Not to be critical of them and what they were trying to do. Because now this year, for the first time, they joined in the meetings. And they just said, we want to be a part of what God's doing in Ethiopia. Amen. Amen. I say, God bless those brothers that take some humility. And so we pray that the Lord will bless them as they put their shoulder to the wagon. But I want to reemphasize, it's going to take local ministry to the local people. And that's what God is raising up in Ethiopia. And so we, we just want to say, God bless them, Brother uh, Gideon and Brother Kepha, and may God use them. Brother Kepha brought a man that is a Somalian minister and uh, speaks a Somali language, uh, Brother Kobus, and uh, uh, is interested in doing some translation work. And so uh, we'll maybe be talking in the days ahead. I'm just waiting for some uh, confirmation on that from them. But we just pray that the Lord will use whomever He's going to use and let the Lord get all the glory. Would the musicians come? This last picture here is for Brother Murphy. That's Luther's desk. I realized when I saw this, Brother Murphy, I was thinking of you as he translated the Bible in like six months. And I was thinking, Murphy had too nice of a chair. I think that's, that's what the issue is. <laughs> And I say that as a friend. That's not true. It's a lot of work. You weren't holed up in a castle under house arrest. We went to the castle of Wartburg where Luther was held. In the message of that day, with a burden to get the word to his people, no different than Brother Murphy, here in the burden that now that the Chinese translation is finished and the Bible is there and, the, and we've got that featured on the front of the BFCR, which we just finished this week, and that will be coming out just in the days ahead. Um, this, is a, this isn't just Ethiopia. It's not just Uganda. You know, I just talked to Brother Fred yesterday in Uganda. He said, I just preached a, a series of meetings in Luero, and he said uh, hundreds were there, and he sent me the pictures. He says, and I baptized a man. Again, talk about the sovereignty of God. I baptized a minister 
who attended a funeral a couple of months ago in a place in southern Uganda where Brother Fred preached the funeral. And the man was so stirred by the Word of God, he says, I need to go where that man is preaching and hear the Word of God. And he just baptized him yesterday. Praise be to God. That's how the message is spreading. It's men that are burdened. Brother Fred was a translator. And he, he wanted to get the message to the people. It was his voice on the radio. Brother Murphy, different ones. You know, you just take this message in your hands. This message is supernatural. It, it, it's whatever God calls you, whatever position God calls you to, I'll just say God is calling a bride. God is clothing a bride. And God is placing his bride positionally. All right. In the Feast of the Trumpets, this is the last quote. He says, the seventh angel's message, under the same trumpet, the same everything exactly, the same seal is to what? Call a people, the bride, out of Pentecostal and world traditions to the genuine atonement, the Word, Christ, impersonated in His Word here and made flesh among us. And then Brother Branham looks up and sees the clock at 12 o'clock. And he says, I looked up and I see it's 12 o'clock. The midnight hour is here. Friend, it's upon us. And I say, for Ethiopia and for all of these countries, we're in the last minutes of time. The last day is here. Why don't you stand together with me? Key of C, amazing grace will always be. Amazing grace will always be my song of praise, for it was grace that bought
I hope that I in some way this morning inspired you with what God is doing. I hope in some way it conveys the burden of the word of the Lord. Ethiopia has reached a phase, as Brother Mogus and I talked about it, it's become out of the ability of man to control it. It's moved into a supernatural realm. As doors are opening, people are being quickened. Life is coming into these different regions. I don't know why Ethiopia did not get caught up in the move of God in the 80s in Africa. There were many countries that received this message in the 80s through this church, other churches, and just the message going into these countries. I don't know the same as I don't know why the eunuch wasn't there on the day of Pentecost four or five years earlier. But God had his reason for it. And God has a reason, I believe, in this hour, if for no other reason than to inspire you who weren't there in the 80s and allow you to see that God is still a supernatural God in taking this message into countries that have never received it before and able to break open doors and find his predestinated seed and shine his light upon them, no different than the woman at the well. Amen. No different than the woman caught in adultery. No different than a Zacchaeus. No different than a Nicodemus. No different than any other one down through the ages. No different than a eunuch in the desert going back to Ethiopia in that day. Today, God is doing a supernatural, mighty, and I'll say sovereign work beyond the control of man. And I say, Amen, Lord. If I can be a cheerleader for the Holy Ghost, I don't know if I can, but I want to be. Lord, keep doing it. Use Brother Mogus. Use Brother Asagian. Use Brother Gurmay. Use Brother Ephraim. Use Brother Tesfa. Use the different brothers. Use the sisters. Open doors. Make ways. Brother David, the deacon, and the other deacons that are there. May God just anoint those men with a mighty anointing. I wasn't, I was just coming into the message in the 80s when it was going into Uganda, like 82, 83, early 80s. And, and I heard about it from Brother Stephen and the different ones, Malawi and Zambia and Botswana and different places. You know, the message went in there in those days. I wasn't there. I was just coming into the message. I was just, it was just getting a hold of me. But when I stand with those people in Ethiopia, like my son Andrew said, it's like walking in the book of Acts, seeing what God is doing as he begins to open eyes and quicken them. Remember them. Remember them in your prayers. Remember them in your giving. We've moved, as the brothers said, from a phase of translation into printing. We've got to get the, now the message into the book form. We have some books, but now we've got to print more books. Get that printing up and running again more than just the church age get the individual messages out because it's going to spread throughout it is spreading throughout the countryside a book to this one a book to that one and another one in this direction those people love the message and we just pray that God will help us to provide I believe if God's in it he will provide do you believe that? and that I believe that he'll bring it forth the way he wants it to if we'll just stay out of the way May the Lord help us. 
I wonder if we could sing uh, the love that Jesus shed at Calvary. It reaches to the highest mountain. The love that Jesus for me. Flood, I'm sorry. Way back on thought that I'd be preaching on the filio trap again tonight, today. It was kind of where my thoughts were going, but the Lord changed my direction. But I was thinking about God's love versus our love. Our love have, has favoritism. We would all say that we love our children more than other people's children as parents we would all have that but you know what God doesn't love my children more than somebody else's children that's a different kind of love and God doesn't love us in Canada more than he loves us in Ethiopia 
God has no favorites. His love is eternal. His love is infinite. It reaches down to every soul just the same. Nicodemus meant as much to him as Jairus did. Jairus meant as much to him as the woman at the well. They all meant the same to God. And I would say this morning, as our heads are bowed, how many would say with me, Lord, lift me up into that kind of love. Lord, that I can see wherever you want me to see your love for your elect. Lord, that I can catch the burden in Ethiopia just like I can catch it in Canada, just like Uganda or Angola or Botswana or South Africa or Tanzania or China or India or Philippines. Wherever it might be, Lord, there's no difference with you, O God. There's a different circumstance, but your love overrides all circumstances. Lord, let me see things the way you want me to see things. And let me be burdened for things the way you want me to be burdened for things. Heavenly Father, Lord, this is a different service this morning than maybe the preaching that we're used to. It's still your word, Lord. I believe your word will not return to you void. I believe, Father God, that as we've spoken about the things that you've done in Ethiopia, that you can anoint your word and bring it to the heart of the hearer, O God. Make us and mold us more into the image of Jesus Christ. For we truly are in a late hour as the final moments of time are ticking by. Lord, if I could do anything for, these, for your work in Ethiopia, Lord, just use me. If there's somebody here, there's somebody on the internet that you want them to do something for your work in Ethiopia, use them, Lord. May they reach out as you anoint them, Father, to do that which you have laid upon their hearts. It might not be to go into the desert and wait for a chariot to come by. It might be something else, Lord. But you're the sovereign God that is able to move upon hearts. And I claim, Lord, that you will lead us sovereignly in the days ahead as we support those precious brothers and sisters over there and help them, O oh God, to become established on their own two feet. Lord, I pray that you'll quicken them. I pray that you'll keep them from evil. I pray, O oh God, that you'll anoint them with a double portion. I pray, Lord, even as they're reaching out, give them souls upon souls there in that country. We have an interest in it, Father, for we desire to go home. And we can't go home without the last member of this body coming into position. And so we pray, Lord, that you'll just have your way. We commit this service to you. Use it for your glory, we pray. As we ask your blessing now upon each one, in Jesus Christ's name, amen. Amen. For it reaches to the high mountain and it
you believe that this morning? This blood is eternal. Oh, it will never It's the same here as it is in Ethiopia. Oh, it will never Whatever you have need of this morning, it'll never lose its power. Blessed be the name of the Lord. God bless you. The service is dismissed in Jesus' name.